Welcome to KuzaCast, where we interview some of the most influential people in tourism from around the world. My name is Graham Watson, and I'm the founder of Kuza Global. The word Kuza means a new dawn, and in 2023, we want to find out just how our guests are working towards that new dawn. Join us and subscribe to future episodes as we hope to inspire you with stories of strength and resilience in the tourism industry. Hello, everyone. It's Graham Watson here again on another edition of KuzaCast. Today, my guest is Holly Budge, the founder of how many elephants? How are you doing today, Holly? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Graham. Well, thanks for thanks for joining me. We first met at Experience Africa about a year and a half ago, and uh, I was very interested in what um, you know your keynote speech had to say and learn more about you, and then also the great work you're doing for for how many elephants. So um, the way we the way we get off uh, on on the podcast is just to describe um tell tell the audience a little bit about who you are and um and and talk about how many elephants and the great work you're doing there yeah sure life as uh more adult life as a as an adventurer so i was working as a skydiving uh camera woman in new zealand uh, and then i went on to become the first woman to skydive everest uh, and then that led to other adventures including climbing to the summit of Mount Everest um, on the north side six years ago. And the reason I'm starting by telling you this is uh, these adventures I realized were a fantastic platform to not only raise lots of money, but also to uh, get the attention of the global media and talk about environmental and social issues. So through my adventures, I've raised uh, over half a million pounds so far. And it made me think when the global media picked up the story, especially of me becoming the first woman to skydive Everest, it made me think, how can I harness the power of the global media for a greater good than me jumping out of a, an aeroplane? So I'm going to come back to that when we get on to talking about my work with World Female Ranger Week and why I founded that initiative. Um, but certainly for me, uh, I realized adventure played a big part in the role of running my nonprofit. So in answer to your question, Graham, uh, 10 years ago, I did a master's in sustainable design and I was studying a material called vegetable ivory, which is a nut from a palm tree from South America. And yeah. it's almost identical in color and texture to elephant ivory. And that's what got me researching the African elephant crisis. And I haven't stopped uh, for the last decade. Um, So How Many Elephants is a traveling exhibition. It goes around the world. And I basically visualize the poaching data. So my exhibition showcases 35,000 elephants on a wall to show the annual poaching rate in Africa. And I've built a necklace uh, which shows 96 elephants cut in vegetable ivory to show the daily poaching rate. And the whole thing with my campaign is it's non-gruesome, it's non-gory, it's non-political. I'm just showing the numbers. And when you see and connect with the data in a purely visual way, it it really is um, impactful. So that's how it all became. And then we'll go on, I'm sure, in this interview to talk about how 
that led me to spending much time on the front line with um, all female and mixed ranger teams across yeah. Africa. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, head back to skydiving over Everest because I'm sure that's something that a lot of people want to want to hear about. I mean, how do you how do you get? Because I mean, that's what about thirty thousand feet or something like that. You actually skydive yeah. up a plane at that height. That's that's. I'm not sure. Yeah. That, I don't know much about skydiving, but but I mean, that's very very high. <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, we I jumped out of a small aircraft, a Pilatus Porter, from twenty nine and a half thousand feet, oh. uh, so just higher than the summit of Everest. And um, the small aircraft had never flown to that altitude before, so we didn't even know if we were going to make it. Yeah, yeah, to, to that altitude. Um, and then the first person to skydive Everest was about three seconds in front of me. And um, and then I I got out and and I pulled my parachute to eighteen thousand feet and I landed at twelve and a half thousand feet. Jeez. So, just to put that in perspective, when I was working in New Zealand as a, a skydiving camera woman, I was getting out of a plane at twelve thousand feet, and here I was landing at that altitude. <laughs> wow! Yes, <laughs> that's that, that that is. I suppose it's one of the the, the quickest ways to get up there, though. <laughs> You know, Absolutely. You skip, you skip the climb. <laughs> skip the climb. Yeah, and then six years ago, I I went back and I uh climbed to the summit. But you know, I didn't really, I didn't know anything about mountaineering when I first laid eyes on Everest when I skydived it. So, and yeah. I thought one day I want to come back and climb to the summit. So I, I I sort of made it a five or six year goal to learn how to climb and mountaineer, and and then go back and have a shot at Everest. Yeah. So I mean, like, like personally, we we've we've all you know the in the travel industry in particular, COVID really kind of tested a lot of our, our mental health and and resilience. So how, I mean, something like that. What? How did it change kind of your something that you've done summiting Everest, skydiving? I mean, how did it change your mindset mindset um, and approach to 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 goal setting? You know, I mean, it's. And a lot of people say, "Well, let's let's skydive Everest," and and then, of course, then then the journey begins um, as to how to go about doing it. So, you know, for me, like I started a, a business, and um, you know, during COVID, and you know, many many steps along the way that 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 you learn. And so, I mean, when it comes to setting a goal that may seem unattainable, I mean, it must have taught you quite a lot about. Well, it's as Nelson Mandela said, it only seems impossible until it's done, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, these days, so much has been done, hasn't it? That, you know, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, for me, Graham, it's, uh, you know, well, let's take Mount Everest as a, as a sort of example here. You know, you arrive at base camp 5,000 meters, and that was my home for 47 days. And Gee. when you arrive there, um, you know, you're looking at this big lump of, of ice and, and rock and snow, and you just really got no idea the act, you know, the how, how am I ever going to be on the summit of that thing? Yeah. And, you know, as time goes on, as each day goes on, as each sort of minute goes on, really, in, in a lot of cases, or each step forward, because when you're up in the death zone, 8,000 meters, you know, even walking four or five strides can be really difficult. You you might have to walk five strides, take a take a breath, walk another mm. five, 
So sometimes it really is uh, footstep by footstep. Um, but, you know, you start breaking these challenges down and it starts to become a bit clearer when you go from base camp to advanced base camp. Then you, you go up to the North Coal, 7,000 metres. Then you go all the way back to base camp and chill out, out there for a little bit. And you do three rounds of acclimatisation. Um, mm. And that's why it's so long. You know, each step or each stage, if you like, of that expedition, it, it starts to unfold and unfold and unfold. Um, and I think that's how I approach life, really. Just try and break overwhelming down into manageable chunks. And that might yeah. just be setting a to-do list with just three things on it, you know, rather than the the great long lists yeah. many of us have. Yeah. You know, just finding is to make things uh less overwhelming and and yeah. just more achievable yeah i suppose there's nothing so, much um, that uh, you you think that you can't do anymore after or everything that you have accomplished yeah i mean i do lots of of public speaking lots of keynote talks and it comes up you know a lot in the q and a of you know, you're superwoman, you can do this. Is there anything you can't do? But, yeah. you know, I think I have exact same fears and overwhelm and anxieties as everyone else. It's just how mm. you, you manage them and how you deal with that. Yeah, I mean, especially um, uh, public speaking. I mean, you know, uh, a sort of a bad a bad experience can try and put you off for life. So that's, that's, even, even that is, um, <laughs> even that's takes courage every time to stand up in front of people. So, so yeah, I mean, it's you know, yeah, I get such a buzz out of it though. It is yeah. it's like skydiving or like when I started skydiving, um, but on the ground, like you still yeah. get your heartbeat, heart popping out of your chest. And yeah. I love that feeling of adrenaline, but, you, you know, there's no danger to yes. stand on the stage and give yeah. it a talk, still get that that buzz. So I um I really like speaking. Oh that's, that's good. Yeah, and we'll let we'll let everyone know how to get in touch with you as well. Um, you know, you've yeah, got some, you've got some great uh, feedback from David Attenborough and and uh Prince Edward even, you know, so you know, you've you've got a quite a good C V going on there. <laughs> Well, and that's what keeps the the wheels of my my charity turning. That's what yeah. keeps Hamlet's um, yeah. going, and working yeah. our rangers going. So, okay, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, that's... So people know that to get you out there, they're also contributing to those great uh, so NGOs. So let's let's delve a bit more into how many elephants. I I know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about the the visual aspect of of the elephants because that's that is a key aspect not just graphs and everything like that you actually show um you show show the elephant uh, issue that that is going on um so i mean how how is that going and you've raised something like half a million pounds for 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 your charities which is phenomenal yeah i mean it's it's going really well i mean it's 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 definitely a there's ups and downs. I think anyone working in in conservation can, uh, you know, sort of liken with that. Is uh, there's great highs and and really uh, sad lows at times. So I think uh, with how many elephants, we're, we're a small charity, but we're very uh, specific about our mission. I have an expression: specific is terrific, 
Yep. And I think the more specific I can be about my goals, the more impact I can make. So, for example, we're very focused on, on African elephants. We don't, uh, you know, try and conserve rhinos or pangolins or any other species. It's, it's all about African elephants um, and it's all about female rangers as well. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that because we've there's been uh, some really exciting developments on the female ranger front, but certainly for how many elephants, it's about raising awareness of the impacts um, of the of the elephant ivory trade. And we do that through direct action, working with our partners on the ground across Africa. We do that through education. So we do lots of work with schools and young people and adults and through awareness. So lots yeah. of um, awareness raising yeah. going on as well. Yeah, I mean, well, let's hope the listeners of, of the podcast can can uh, learn more about about it as well. So, I mean, let's let's uh, let's talk about the uh, World Female Ranger Week, and um, you know, and and what uh, I mean, what what made you decide to focus on supporting female rangers, uh, and you know, what was the problem that needed to be solved? Yeah, so it kind of came about fairly organically in that whilst I was studying for my master's and that's where How Many Elephants was born, um, I read about the uh, Black Mambas, Africa's first all-female anti-poaching team in South Africa. And I was just so blown away by what these women were doing and they were fairly new at that time. They'd only just started up. Um, and I reached out to Craig Spencer, the founder of the Black Mambas, and he just said, you know, come on out. We'd, we'd love to host you. And that just started this great long journey now of spending lots of time on the front line with different female and uh, mixed ranger teams across Africa. Um, so I've spent time in Zimbabwe with the Akashinga Rangers, um, and in time in Kenya with Mara Elephant Project, Big Life Foundation, um, to mention a few. And even though a lot of these models are very different, the Black Mambas, they're unarmed. They just have pepper spray and handcuffs. And they're a very different model to, say, Akashinga in Zimbabwe. They're fully armed. They are trained to go face-to-face -face with the poachers. Um, whichever model... It was um, Mar Elephant Project. They are a mixed team. The armed element of their team is uh, Kenya Wildlife Services. Um, so they're all slightly different. But what I did realize was uh, through interviewing a lot of these female rangers is many of them were facing very similar challenges. And, you know, it's a really new thing. It's only in the last 10 years uh, that we're really starting to see, certainly with the Black Mambas, 10 years old um the ripple out effect of employing women from the local communities so uh craig spencer he said 10 years ago he was knocking his head on a brick wall they were losing rhinos elephants at such an alarming rate in the kruger um in the greater kruger he said he just didn't know what to do. And that's when he came up with the idea of let's go into the local communities and invite the women to come forward um, for selection to uh, try out and be trained as a ranger. 
So 10 years on, Graham, uh, certainly a lot of the women that, that I'm working with now, you know, they've, some of them have bought land, built houses, put lots of their income back into their families. Um, you know, one of the ladies I know is just graduated with a degree. Kids are in school, access to uh, healthcare, much better healthcare. Um, and it's, it's phenomenal. Like it's like an onion. You just keep peeling back the layers on why female rangers are making uh, such impact and why they're popping up now all over um, Africa because they're proving to be so successful. Yes, I mean it, it's a it's an amazing project. So when exactly is the Female Ranger Week? So it's in June, June twenty third to the thirtieth, and. Two years ago, I launched, um, well, three years ago uh, was World Female Ranger Day, and that was spotlighting Africa for one day. And we got such huge media attention. We were live on Sky News. We were live on BBC Woman's Hour. Um, Marie Claire magazine ran, ran like an eight-page article. Um, Times Radio gave us a half-hour slot. And, and we got... 360 million views around this one day and the media were just clambering over themselves to share this sto their stories of the female rangers so just to skip back to the beginning when i said about harnessing the power of the global media even for just a day um i feel that um that absolutely did that successfully um in 2021 with world female ranger day but one day wasn't enough. So now I'm working with uh, female rangers all over the world. And now I, two years ago, um, I launched World Female Ranger Week. Yeah. Um, so now we, we focus on, on female rangers globally. And again, as I said earlier, a lot of these women are facing very similar challenges. So that might be social stigma is still a big one, um, lack of uh, equipment or ill-fitting equipment, simple things like uh, sports bras. They they weren't even thought about as a part of the uniform for female rangers. When I went and spent time on my first trip in South Africa with the Black Mambas, this um, one of the Mambas, she she just had such big boobs, and she was doing like twenty-kilometer patrols uh, with the with a really not a supportive bra and it was really hurting her shoulders and her back and so we went and sort of got her a sports bra but now uh five years or ten years on um a lot of these women now have sports bras put in as part of their uniform that's so that's just one example of a challenge that uh a male ranger wouldn't face yeah, you know yeah. they're like un unique to the women mm. Um, and another one is security in the workplace. Again, uh, women have unique challenges to the men. But I'll just finish that question by saying, Graham, this is absolutely not against male rangers at all. Like I personally think the mixed ranger teams are where it's at. I think it's it's just a fantastic blend having men and women in in a team. Um, so, you know. One quick story. I love this story. <laughs> Go for it's, it. one of my, it's one of my impact stories from this year's World Female Ranger Week. Um, in Nigeria, uh, last year, two female rangers went really 
really went to town on like taking part in World Female Ranger Week. And they organized, just the two of them, organized events every single day of the week. And they did roundtable discussions. They did football matches. They did parades through their communities. Um, Every day of the week, they celebrated it in some way. And I just thought, wow, these, these guys are awesome. And then this year for World Female Ranger Week, they wrote to me and said, um, only two of us last year were allowed to be a part of World Female Ranger Week. Mm. Um, but this, but we've got seven national parks. We've got female rangers across all seven national parks. Can you write to the Conservator General in Nigeria and ask if all the female rangers can take part? And I said, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, not a problem. Send me his email. And um, two days before World Female Ranger Week, he gave permission for all of the female rangers to uh, take part in activities Gee. for all of that week. That's incredible. And that might not sound a huge thing for for a lot of us, but for these women, they, they literally, they said, you know, no one's ever given us permission to speak out and speak up and, and tell our stories. And they said, this, this is absolutely huge yeah. for us. And they went to town on it and uh, they made all these signs. But what I loved most about it, and that's the point of telling you this story now, is uh, that all the, a lot of the male rangers as well took part in, in that week. And they had signs, you know, we support our fe- the female rangers. And they really, a lot of those guys got involved as well. Mm. And I think that's real world impact yeah. in my mind. Oh, yeah. That's real world yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if whatever you're doing is is changing people's lives for the better, then absolutely, you know, well done, carry on. You know, that's that's yeah. what it's what it's all about. So, um, you know, I mean, great great work with how many elephants and, and world female ranger week. Have you got any <laughs> any plans for the any <laughs> any any new things coming up, or are you just trying to cultivate what you've got? A bit of both, really. So definitely continuing to grow world female ranger week we are always looking for partners strategic partners to come on board um as i said we're getting huge media attention so it's it's uh you know it's a really great thing to be involved with uh, Mm. as a partner yeah um but also graham i'm really excited um i've been trying to do this since before covid um but it's now looking like it's really going to happen it's taking small groups uh, with me out to the black members in south africa and hopefully um, other african countries coming up so that people can meet and patrol with the female rangers mm. so this is just an absolute you know completely uh, off the beaten path experience that uh, isn't being offered because the rangers aren't you know they're not set up for tourists uh, yeah. most of them and and they're you know that's not the thing they're not you know they're not there for people to go and sort of uh, in you know in disturb if you like they're out there doing doing their ranger work so yeah. um we're very mindful of taking uh, very small groups to meet the rangers and patrol with them and visit the schools and the communities and and everything else that they're working on um and this will be a fantastic way to raise uh, uh you know a good amount of money that will go back to the rangers 
And um, so I'm really excited about that. That's going to be kicking off um, next April, May time. Okay. So watch this space for female ranger trips. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, it's taken me, I just have uh, very strong relationships with a lot of these uh, female ranger teams and mixed ranger teams. And for me, it's just all about uh, trust, you know, and, mm. and making sure that uh, that those trips are delivered in exactly the right way and not interfering in any way with the work yeah. um, of the rangers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, really excited about that. And I've worked really closely with the travel industry for the last uh, five years. Um, so I guess I'm going over to the dark side a bit and exploring the whole uh, tour operator yeah. route. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so uh, it just seems a great way to to raise uh, to fund, you know, raise some good funds mm. uh, for, for the Rangers. So I think that's probably a, a kind of good end to, to today is one of my favourite expressions is uh, conservation without funding is just conversation. Yes. Yep. So You're right. everything I'm doing is everything I'm doing is trying to, you know, have an impact. So raising funds and sharing their stories yeah. to to get donors uh interested and on board. So then how do people then book you for for events for keynote speaker? Um so what for speaking events? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my website is uh, hollybudge.com and that's all kind of speaking focused uh on that website uh, and then obviously how many elephants.org and world female ranger week.org um yeah any any of those ways uh you'll you'll get me on the other end so oh, um, wonderful okay yeah oh well thanks holly i mean it's it's a extremely inspirational story that you've got i mean i know people throw those words around quite a lot and it is difficult to to hear sometimes um that you know you you've inspired so many people and you know people really are interested in the things that you've done and achieved sometimes it's uh it's hard to give yourself that pat on the back but uh just know that it is it is true and um yeah. uh and then just yeah go go give yourself a pat on the back and just tell the the listeners about the latest award that's that you've received and you and you headed off to New York Oh yeah, that was that was a really fine pat on the back. That one, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that was uh, the Stevie Women in Business Awards, um, and I got the the uh, Woman of the Year in nonprofit. Incredible, um, and that was absolutely a huge, huge honour. And I dedicated that award to uh, all the the female rangers that I've had the absolute privilege mm. of spending time with and working with. Yeah, so um. It's, definitely a group effort but it was it was a very special uh trip uh to new york and receiving that award mm. yeah, well well done i mean you know it's it's uh it's great to get that recognition and know that that the work that you're doing is is being recognized and that impact is is being made so i'm sure that that really um yeah made you feel made you feel great so so well done um yeah thank you very much uh, just very passionate i think you have to be yeah but- for me, it's a uh, passion and purpose. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got to have a purpose. No, I mean, um, I, definitely. I mean, I think the last few years have taught us during the 
the pandemic in particular was that spirit of, uh, you know, camaraderie and helping each other. Because at one point, we were all, you know, in that feeling of, of desperation and not knowing what was going to happen in the future. And I think once you once you learn how that feels, it's far easier to be compassionate and understanding about, uh, you know, other people and then then their journey through life. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great it's work. Yeah. yeah, great work that you're doing, Holly. And Thanks so much. It's been Thank a, you, Bert. Yeah, been a fantastic conversation. And I hope that you, um, hope we, we bump into each other again at, at an event. Um, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. And, uh, th- thanks again, Holly. And, um, I will let you know when this goes out and, um, put all your details up in the description so the listeners can get in touch. And let's hope, um, let's hope, uh, you can grace the stage at, at a future event of one of the listeners. So thanks again. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Graham. Thank you for having me. Ciao, Holly. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks for tuning into KuzaCast, where we explore the world of tourism with leaders from all corners of the globe. Join me, Graham Watson, for future episodes as we dive into the latest trends and insights from the industry. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating, and we'll see you next time on KuzaCast. KuzaCast.